Welcome, welcome, welcome to Nodes in the Net, a weekly tangential irreverent conversation that caters to the interests of liminal trickster mystics like you, and like Travis Redtail, who is an amazing, engaging, interesting performer, and also a real-life activist, someone who's really out there doing the work, beating the streets, creating real change on important topics, and uh, someone who's got a lot of the guru energy, if I do say so myself. Someone who has, uh, you know, that kundalini uh, that they say uh, flows around people who are extra charismatic. This is someone who I would love to follow into battle. And probably once we got there, we'd, uh, you know, get to the front lines and do a nice round of nonviolent communication with the quote-unquote enemy, and we'd all have our needs met and our feelings taken care of, and it would just be a beautiful, wonderful war. <laughs> the kind uh, that all wars sh- should be. Uh, just a, a mediated conflict uh, that creates togetherness and unity. Uh, maybe that's making him sound a little too hippy-dippy, uh, but maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. <laughs> you should sign up for Travis Redtail's Empowering Revolutionary Leaders course. It's what we talk about primarily in this episode. I think that pretty much all of the Creek Masons should take this. We should figure out a way to maybe get like a group rate or <laughs> something. Uh, this this really would be uh, beneficial to our community and to the world as a whole. Uh, so it's called Empowering Revolutionary Leaders, and you can find it at travisredtail.com backslash leadership. And you can also find Travis's podcast, The Sacred Everything, at thesacredeverything.com and all over, you know, the podcast platforms. I found it on Spotify when I was listening. And you can also find some of Travis's, like, singer, you know, songwriter stuff at SoundCloud, uh, where he is Travis Redtail. And, of course... Instagram, Travis.Redtail. So please check out all those links. I know it can be kind of hard to remember a bunch of links that are thrown at you over the airwaves. Uh, And so if you're having trouble remembering any of those, they're going to be at creekmasons.substack.com. And that should make it a little bit easier. Uh, Head to creekmasons.substack.com to subscribe to the Creek Mason mailing list, and you'll find links all over the place to initiate yourself into the Creek Masons. Join our Discord. Join the conversation. We're having a lot of fun on there with Lunar Lunacy posts, and, uh, you know, I just spun up a new tarot reading project, and other people are talking about potentially spinning up their own podcasts, and JT, the first Adeptus maker, is now officially creating artwork in the form of social media posts. Uh, such as uh, reviving the Creek Masons TikTok at Creek Masons on TikTok, reviving the Creek Masons Twitter at Creek Masons again. We're at Creek Masons everywhere. He's on Instagram too. First posts are posted there. Uh, And you should check all those things out. But the primary uh, mailing list that you need to be subscribed to is over at substack.com. And I'm about to read you a little bit of an essay from Substack.com called I'm a Creep. And then we'll jump right into this episode uh, with Travis Redtail, which was probably one of the most energizing conversations I've had in my life. Uh, Thank you, Flowing Kundalini. So yeah, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. I am going to read you a little bit of this essay, though, which is very near and dear to my heart called I'm a Creep. What might it mean to reify the liminal? 
That's kind of what the Creek Masons are doing in our little liminal trickster mystic subculture. Can you really build in the liminal? When it comes down to it, is it a place or a purgatory? Like me, do you instantly become liminal to whatever is instantiated? And what happens if I keep cutting the distance to belonging in half? <laughs> Will I eventually approach infinity like a mathematical limit? That actually sounds pretty groovy. But what does it mean to build in the liminal? It sounds like what happens when you construct a bridge, but are the Creek Masons a bridge or a destination? Both and? I've sometimes compared my leadership to doulahood. I've compared my mission to being a water stand on the marathon course. Increasingly, one staffed by a whole group of people who are each supporting each other and throwing a text-based rave. But I also want to complete the marathon, if I'm honest with myself. I want to see what it's like to cross the finish line sprayed by the celebratory champagne of messy but triumphant belonging. Completing the marathon looks like belonging to me. Belonging with people, with source, and with truth. Can I find that at the water stand? Can we belong together as a support entity? A coven of doulas? An organization of hermits? Or does the hermit the mystic that swims in the waters in which the psychotic drowns necessarily have to be a loner. Uh, there's a lot more to this essay. It's uh, what many readers have called self-eviscerating <laughs> in the way that I very vulnerably pick apart my own desire to belong and inability to ever feel like that's a possibility. Uh, and so I think you should check it out and please leave me a comment there. Join the discord. Tell me what you think. All right. And remember all the links you need to find Travis are at creekmasons.substack.com along with the rest of that essay. And without further ado, let's jump in to this episode with the wonderful, mystical, entertaining Travis Redtail. Hello, Travis. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am in a moment of beautiful transformation. Yeah, I'm feeling a whole lot moving, a whole lot from that from that uh, new moon. What was that? A new moon in Aries? Aries, yeah. Yeah, and and so much, so much coming in, so much clarity, so many beautiful people coming into my life. Mm. Yeah, really, really enjoying this wave. Really enjoying this wave. Yeah, that's I, that's wonderful. The you know the um, the last several of these uh, lunar cycles, I'm really starting to uh, become a, more and more of a true believer in the in the astrology business. Same, same, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> I, I, I downloaded the pattern, right? So my, my buddy is a Vedic astrologer and he oh, pointed nice. me towards the pattern. And I used to do CoStar, which gave me these emails that were the weirdest warnings. You know, you're going to have a really crappy day with your relationships. This is, uh, 
and and I didn't like what CoStar was saying. I it was it was a it was a crappy email. Every time I opened it up, I thought I gotta find a different robot to teach me astrology. So I went <laughs> to the pattern robot instead, and mm. I can read it every day. And it just has some really beautiful nugget. And whether whether or not it is the flawed interpretation of the human mind in the se- sense making experiment we all partake in. I just Ooh, yeah. love it. I feel seen. I feel connected, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, uh, there's a lot of metaphors that you could use to potentially explain the efficacy of astrology, the, you know, like waves of energy emitting from planets or whatever. But regardless, I mean, the the actual experience of like synchronicity with especially on like the discord community for this podcast like everyone seems to have these energy flows that ebb and 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 rise at the same times yeah uh, in in coordination with the lunar cycles and sometimes i'll be like i'll find myself like kind of in a, a more manic creative state and i'll wonder what's going on with me and like 10 minutes later someone will post on the discord that <laughs> that that's what that's uh, what time of month is it is, and I've just lost track of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's nice to feel seen in that. I also I, I have my flows that feel like they're outside of of the lunar cycle as well, where perhaps past traumas are getting drummed mm. up and triggered in all sorts of different ways. And for years, I've tried to find patterns, and the, you know, the thing that has brought so much peace and it's like is the is the deepest salve is just asking for help it's just Mm. even even if it's supposed to be a crazy time and my anxiety is spiking the the best medicine that i've found which i have done all of the plant medicines i have gone to all the mountaintops (laughs) and prayed i am a i am a storied and seasoned traveler of different spiritual traditions in situ in the temples on the mountains and really the the relief that I get from the manic spells, from the anxiety spells, they come from opening my heart and saying, Will you help me? It does it hurts yeah. right now. It hurts right now. Yeah. Wow. You know, uh, so prior to this podcast, uh, I drew the uh ten of swords as okay. like that's like my card for the day. Apparently, I don't know how well versed in tarot you are, but it's like I don't know much about it. Yeah, it, well, it's one of those cards that like it comes up in um, popular culture as like the scary tarot card. You know, it's okay. like it's a guy laying on his on his face with like ten swords sticking out of oh, his back. Oh, he's full of swords, and, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and like the deepest sword is the one through his heart and it, you know, swords represent like thoughts and overthinking. And sure. so that's, that's kind of like the energy that like, I guess I'm bringing in to this conversation in this day. So the, like hearing that, uh, that inspiration to request help, it mm-hmm. feels like very significant to me, very meaningful. And I appreciate I appreciate that. I just want to get that out of the way. Like I'm already feeling a little bit lighter. So, Mm. you know, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, For the conversation, I think we drew like the perfect card uh, to begin where, you know, you, you requested doing this fun thing that we haven't done on the Creek Masons or the nodes in the net podcast yet, where we uh, we're going to draw a card at the beginning and the end right. and sort of see like what alchemizes through the conversation and, and uh, what, where the journey takes us. 
Um, and so I'm really excited to do that. And the perfect card came up to, uh, to represent that project, which is the fool. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. It's like my fool. The, the transformation that I've been talking about is my full transformation. No yeah. question. I've never owned that archetype before. And I'm finally, you can see the painting behind me. It's, a, it's total tomfoolery, but yeah. it's acceptance of my fool. Wow. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear your read on the fool. Well, so, you know, the fool is, I mean, he's the guy on the mountaintop to me. I mean, like, this is, this is the guy who's, like you said, who's like going through the, from C2 to C2, you know, he's, and in, in the, uh, you know, it's the Rider Waite interpretation uh, by Pamela Coleman Smith. So he's, he's kind of like, tra-la-la, you know, like he's got a flower in one hand and a bindle in the other. There's a dog kind of barking at his heels and he's, maybe about to jump off a cliff because he's looking to the sky <laughs> and I'm saying he, but it's really an androgynous figure. It could, it could go either way. Um, but you know, the flower sort of represents like purity and innocence. The bindle sort of represents like uh, limited worldly attachment and like, um, you know, he's got like all his shit together, right? He's got everything <laughs> that he needs and, and is, uh, you know, taking it with him on this journey. And it's, it's kind of the card that's like the start of a journey. It, it can yeah. sometimes represent like hastiness or, or risk taking. Um, but I really, I, I've always vibed with it more as, um, you know, like the beginning of something, but sure. it's, it's the first card in the major arcana and it's, it represents like, the person drawing tarot it represents the person who's going on the on the path of self-discovery and and uh and yeah like maybe he's gonna jump off the cliff uh but you know i think that what lies on the other side of the cliff is not necessarily like certain doom i think it's an adventure and and you know something exciting I'm I'm also so yeah thanks thanks for the read I I'm I'm looking at the card right now I'm seeing I'm seeing this cliff I'm seeing what I'm seeing is that moment where I finally land at some beautiful exotic destination and I mm-hmm. see I see the cliff edge and I say I want to be there that's where I want to be and whoever I'm hiking with or whoever I'm at the beach with on the rocky coasts of Ibiza or in the mountains mm-hmm. of Appalachia I, I want to go to that point and feel what it's like to be on the edge of the earth. And this person's, this, this fool's bliss, right? Even as illustrated by this tunic that they're wearing, these, mm. these like lemon slices with the leaves mm. coming out of them, you know, full, full connect. I, I'm also reading that connection with nature too, right? There's no built environment around this fool. It's only mountains in the background. The sun is at the back. The 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 back mm. is even arched, right? The back and the kitten yeah. caboodle are pointing towards the sun. So it's like the feeling of support, right? The fearlessness comes from the safety. And that safety is in the knowing that the mm. fool, the sun, right? The 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 great beneficent sun has has the fool's back. Nothing can go wrong in this dog, this like <laughs> Himalayan dog, this tiny little, <laughs> tiny little midget sheep dog that's there <laughs> with this little hands up. It's like, I I wanna be the fool too, you know? This yeah. is this is this is when 
you know, in, in my greatest times, I have folks, folks reach out and say, Hey, that was a really cool project that you did. I love that. I wish, I wish I had the cojones to pull that off. I wish I, you know, and, and I'm kind of feeling like if this is my fool moment, then these little, then this little dog is all those amazing little, those angels that, that come to me in my life and, and open up that door for gratitude and reflection for me. Mm. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's something always for me, I, I have this practice in my own life of uh, like kind of a contemplative thing that I do when I'm walking my dog, where I'll write down a question right before I leave. And, uh, you know, I'll kind of allow whatever comes in to come in whether it's like crows chirping that give me some sort of, you know, thought stream that then always seems to somehow relate to the, uh, the question that I drew, although in some way that's maybe psychosis, but, uh, but, uh, uh, the dog for me is always a symbol of, uh, kind of like my, my animal self. It's so it's like the dog is pulling me. It's, it, it sort of, uh, tends to inspire me to think about like, you know, this is my, my, I guess, like my core meat machine that is trying to get me to move faster. If the dog is like sniffing around and taking too long, it's like, stop and slow down. Your body needs this from you. And I think that that's, uh, you know, like sort of melding that or alchemizing that with what you're saying, there's, um, you know, there's a, uh, well, one, I guess to like just introduce it bluntly, one of the topics that we wanted to cover was uh, like trauma and, and, and what that, uh, what the processing of trauma can lend to uh, the, I guess the save, saving of the world, right? Yeah, like yeah. ultimately it comes down to that. And I think that, you know, I've, I've read The Body Knows the Score. I think that very much the trauma lives in our physical, you know, container and is something yeah. that, you know, we're talking about astrology, like the, the, um, sorry, my dog is barking one That's second. Great. I love your dog barking. I was going to be outside, but there's people like cutting trees and chipping woods. So I <laughs> the, the bird sounds would be really pleasant, but the wood chipper might, might put a <laughs> damper on this. Yeah. It's not coming through for me. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. It's, I can't the, hear it, but I, if I was going to be outside. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the dog, of course, had to speak up while I was talking. We're about talking the about the dog. That's, right, that's exactly. just a that's a podcasting necessity, right? Um, but uh, what am I trying to say? The body knows the score, and this, like the the body, wants to come along with you on your on your adventures to these uh, wonderful places, and it's the body that is. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I've pretty much said enough, but it's like that diminutive, like small part of you that, that like arrives with you on the spiritual journey and is like always there to be like, you know, heal me while we're here, you know, like do, do something meaningful with this, with this Mm. experience. Right. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and throw another, another kind of, angle out there i think i think yeah. it could be it could be that there's a, a gaggle of dogs around the fool and the fool is is 
somehow that that one the unanimity the the mm. the the knowing universal consciousness that's coming through all of the meat machines and yeah. the the dog yeah. is the dog is impatient the dog is flighty the dog is much like a child when we're born allowed to have a range of emotions basically at any time during the day but somehow I'm 37 and I work, you know, in these jobs behind desks or public speaking. And yeah. I've, I've gotten the idea that I'm not allowed to have emotions at any time mm. of the day in reaction. Yeah. And somehow it becomes labeled as emotional regulation, right? As we get mm. older, we must emotionally regulate. That's not how I experience my day. I experience my day like the dog. It could be... <laughs> It, I, I, could, I could have an amazing morning, you know, the most spiritually enlightening morning, go to the no space. I could have sex. I could wake up at a festival in, you know, 1132, some dog comes nipping at my, some dog inside of me yeah, yeah. is like, oh, and I look around and I'm like, what the fuck? Where, what is, where's the moon? What's the problem? Like, there's no triggers here. There's no triggers here anywhere, but why, you know? And, and maybe, maybe with the fool's blissful mm. enlightenment on the mound, it is to remind us as well that, that inside of us, you know, the ego really strives, really strives to be seen, to protect us. And the ego is striving to protect us through anxiety, is striving mm. to protect us through bringing anxiety through the channels of that, of that old mm. trauma in our body that's still stored, tr trying to protect us to be liked, to love, to belong, you know? And I, I see maybe yeah. that dog is much like, so, so I'm, I'm really like a yogi. That's where I get a lot of my mythological traditions from. And when nice. you look at the Nataraja, Shiva Nataraja is the dancing Shiva surrounded mm. by a ring of fire and he's stepping on something. Do you know what he's stepping on, Jeff? Is it? I can't remember. It's, it's like a dwarf, like a pygmy. It may even have horns, but it's, okay. but it's, but it's, it's, it's the ego. And so, mm. and so Shiva, right? Shiva is the Maha Yogi. He's the highest Yogi. He has the greatest mm -hmm. discipline. You know, Ganesha was born from Parvati. Ganesha, you know Ganesha, right? The elephant-faced yeah, yeah. god. Mm -hmm. His mom, Parvati, which was Shiva's divine consort, uh, mm. was really sad because Shiva was away praying for ten thousand years. <laughs> they got married, and he was like, <laughs> "Peace out! Lovely. I'm going to the mountain." You know, and she, and she made Ganesha out of clay on the banks of the river Ganges, and Shiva mm. comes home, and there's this guy standing and Parvati's like, well, I'm going to go pray for a little bit now. Ganesha, watch the house. Don't let anybody mm. in. This is our house. So Shiva comes home and it's his house. And Ganesha's like, you can't come in. He goes, who? <laughs> Shiva's like, who do you think that you are? This is my house. And he chops his head off. And, <laughs> and, the, and it's funny because Shiva doesn't lose his cool. Shiva's always cool. He's the Mahayogi. Mm. He's the highest coolie. He's always in union. And he's always so yeah. much in union that all of, the, all of the Hindu mythology is about Shiva causing trouble because he grants boons. He gives like a genie gives kind of grants wishes to okay. anyone, including the worst, most fierce demons in the universe. And so when he grants these boons to people, 
he is he is kind of knowing that down the road all the other gods are going to get pissed off because a boon <laughs> oftentimes is some version of immortality so you mm. will be immortal but for the hand of a woman you every time mm. you get cut you're not immortal but each drop of blood will turn into another soldier and you will spawn and each one mm. of their blood drops so so shiva in the Maya, in the illusion of the world, of all of this drama, he still knows everything is one. In the Nataraja, the dancing Shiva form, he's surrounded by the fire, by the Maya, by the illusion that we are mm. separate. And he's standing on the ego. And, and to some extent, it's like, I don't know what to do sometimes on my spiritual path. Am I supposed to conquer the anxiety? And use yeah. the, the Tony Robbins version, which is like, <laughs> I don't have anxiety anymore, you know, and you kind of, yeah. like, you somaticize it. Or, yeah, do I, yeah. or do I like give in and just be like, oh, what are you trying to say, baby? You know, there's like, there's in my yeah. mind, there's almost two ways to work with trauma. And there's two mm. ways to deal with that dog, you know, and I think the yeah. fool, the fool has that dog and it's like, we're dancing, baby, let's go. And I, and I think this is the reason why this is like fool month for me, because I've just yeah. been saying, I'm not going to resist anymore. Anytime any little thing's going to come up, if I get angry, I'm going to get angry. I'm not going to take it out on anybody, but I'm going to be angry. Mm. You know, if I get super joyous, I'm not going to cut myself f off after a half an hour. Like I do massage nights with my friend. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, oh, okay, I've had enough. Now your turn. I'm going to stoop, uh, stoop. I'm going to stew in it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. steep in it, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm feeling, a, I'm feeling the fool is a, is a feeler too. He's not just in bliss. He's going to. He's mm. going to like react for the sake of even being alive, you know, whether yeah. that's anger or that's bliss. Well, that's, uh, that is, uh, that makes perfect sense to me. Although I like, I'd love to maybe like disambiguate some of the terms here. Cause I think we've got like maybe concepts of like Atman and Brahman uh, swirling around, although different languages being used for like the all consciousness and the ego and I don't know if I don't, I have no clue whether those things correlate like directly and can be translated that way, but it's kind of like my, my half baked, you know, half understood under like interpretation of, uh, that brand of mysticism. But the other thing that you said that I thought was really interesting too, that I think like builds into this is like this, this whole, you know, thesis of, when you're in union, you know, when you're yoked to God's will, as the definition of yoga is, you, it it may not always be, this is something that's on my mind a ton lately, it may not always be what your ego self believes is like the polite thing. It, it may not always be, you know, emotional regulation and like making the people around you comfortable. Absolutely like they're... Not. they're are certainly, I mean, Shiva being in union and giving these boons, you know, sometimes they cause trouble, but maybe trouble is what is necessary. It's maybe trouble needed. needs to happen. Yeah. This is, this has really come up over the last month in my musings on Trump. I'm like, Oh yeah. Of like uncancelable, right? <laughs> He's a f emotionally a five-year-old and, yeah. and, I and I've actually I don't, I am not saying that I love Donald Trump. I'm saying that I'm sort of seeing him now. I'm seeing yeah. him and I'm seeing how like 
even my parents sometimes I, I'm just like, how do you blow up at that car cutting cutting you off? You're losing yeah. energy everywhere, you know. But in fact, yeah. actually, I think my dad's not losing energy. I think he's doing a quick reaction and then moving on, you know. Mm. And there's something there's something about the stiffness of politicians that we've had for so long that it's like really buttoned up and like yeah. oh, oh, you know, the, it. I, I want to talk about delicacy later too. Delicacy is, is to me, the, the nature of nature, of the natural world. And that's not something that Donald Trump really has. But, <laughs> but in spades, a reflection of an angry American, you know, is mm. in a polarized, angry, ready for change American. Donald Trump is like that, that, uh, that I'm going to throw a tantrum child that we're all, that's that's what the trauma is about right if you yeah. follow my my guru prem baba the trauma is when our parents withheld love from us when we had mm. a tantrum by training yeah. children that emotions are bad and unsafe yeah. we train them that they are not precious and that your emotions are not precious and my emotions are not precious and nobody's emotions are precious and it's like dangerous and so mm. to have like the most powerful person in America come out and ha really have emotions, which you don't yeah. see that in basically any other politicians unless they're barking at each other in the Capitol building and they're being like, they're really acting like children. Performatively angry though. Performatively angry and filibusters, like all yeah. this stuff is just such crap, you know? And so yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I just, I don't know what my point is. I guess my point is that, is that yeah what do, what do you do with those traumas and and how are you acting them out and mm. yeah maybe they need to be acted out maybe america needed to see that um a dude who has been accused of like 10,000 different kinds of whatever is yeah. is more or less forgivable for almost anything that he can do because people agree with his ideology like it that's a, that's a that's a stark backlash against cancel culture it's a start like his election was it, a stark backlash yeah yeah and there there does seem to be like a whole a whole slew of people who are uncancelable uh and it it really it seems to be the only people who can be canceled are the ones who are more or less like aligned <laughs> with yeah. the values of cancel culture it's 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 kind of an infighting thing that that happens interesting uh, and i i don't know i don't i don't see that as particularly effective i don't love the shame spectacle um i don't know where it's going or whether it's going but i do really resonate with the idea that uh in order to process trauma or process shadow you need to bring it into the light. And mm -hmm. there like there does seem to be something of an excavation that Donald Trump inspires. Or even, I don't know, maybe it was the 2020 pandemic or or whatever. Over the last, you know, five years or so, there's been a lot of I and like the Black Lives Matter stuff. Like it a lot of things are kind of coming to the surface that have been unconscious and maybe it is valuable to have that like flash of anger in traffic and then you know kind of like shake it off you know like i i think eckhart tolle 
says uh, after ducks fight, they always flap their wings three times and then they're like back to normal. They can get (laughs) along with each other. (laughs) Um, So like maybe, maybe there is something really natural about that and helpful and like, you know, shake it off and get on with your day. But also maybe there's something a little bit farther along the spiral dynamics chain of experiencing the urge to anger and like recognizing it for being an urge and I don't know, suppressing it. I I'm not necessarily saying that's the right path, but um, you know, like having it in your face, all, all of these things that have gone unacknowledged for a very long time as a result of Trump and the pandemic and BLM and all of that, having it in our face gives us the opportunity to make a conscious choice about how we want to exist like in community and and <laughs> in our own like personal healing and in our own uh lives i think uh mm. and and you know it's valuable for that reason i'm not a i'm not a trump fan for sure <laughs> but uh but in terms of like yeah holding a mirror up to what america really is that's a valuable service you know yeah permission permission to cry and complain like i don't i don't know i um i'm thinking about this thing you're saying like what does it mean in community because so much of my work is is informed by vision and the vision mm. is that we wouldn't need um so much of the upheaval we're seeing around climate around race yeah. around gender around economics if if there were a more sophisticated understanding of our emotional landscape of mm. what our needs are, which it's like, there's kind of a linguistic science around needs. I'm not talking about a big step. It's a step that I've taken in my life and, and mm. hundreds of thousands of people around the world have taken around their life. And, and then, and then understanding how to meet those needs simply. And, yeah. and what I've experienced by living in intentional communities and eco-villages across the world is that when mm. I show up, my phone goes down and I start to meet people in my needs for touch, my needs for play, my needs for food, my needs for shelter, all the things that are just the basic human things that, that were in, incepted in the tribal structure so many hundreds of thousands of years yeah. ago and pulled through now, those all start getting met in a village with people I don't know. And it takes time, no question. Like mm. the first couple months in a village, in a neighborhood is you don't feel belonging yet. But one or two work party later, work parties later, a couple mm. of, a couple of um, potlucks, a lot of gifts, yeah. right? People gift you a lot of things yeah. when you live in community. It's like the whole scarcity mindset around our lives, which is really the product of living in a scarcity-based economic system, it just starts to go away. And I start to feel like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's okay to just exist. And like, I want to help. And, and what is so rosy about that is that it doesn't work like that all the time until people take a hard look at the way that they express their emotions and their needs. And there's a specific mm. linguistic Phraseology, technology, ver- verbology, whatever you want to call it, called yeah. nonviolent communication. Nonviolent non- communication. Yeah. 
And NVC or compassionate communication, I think is like the root thing that could save the world because it, it basically gets us over the egoic friction around conflict and enables us to share. And as we know, yeah. you know, America, North America is a six planet living country. It's, if everybody on the planet lived like North America, it would take six planet mm. Earths to sustain our consumption. That's called, it's a mm. theory called one planet living, but this is like a factual kind of assessment of the resources yeah. that we use. Calculation. And, yeah. And as like a seasoned, you know, two decades worth of conservation, urban planning, sustainable architecture, the only good answer I have, Jeff, is mm-hmm. that we start sharing shit and we start sharing it yeah. soon. Because if we yeah. use this planet's resources to make every car electric and we don't start driving stop driving more we start we don't start driving less yeah we're 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 not fixing anything like right. the 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 paradigms of sustainability that we have today are are completely bypassing user responsibility and mm. the the victimhood that we have all learned by being in a scarcity based economic system, which is, I don't really have much power to change it. I have to go to the grocery store and buy that broccoli and yeah. packaging. I have to do this. It's not true. We were never shown mm. in the last four generations how to have agency over our basic needs, our food, and rarely our social our social needs, especially housing. Housing is so commoditized. So yeah, that's my, that's like, I want to open that door, right? Yeah. Basically that when, when you start letting emotions out is when people realize they need to start looking at how to express them more humanely to each other. Mm. And to me, that's the turning point for society to start to move towards. It's not just a sharing economy. It's an economy where gift is law. And we start mm. feeling safe and more vibrant because we're not stuck behind desks doing shit we don't like. <laughs> yes. We're out. We're out making stuff. Like yeah. all we're doing is surviving. You can candy coat it in the word thriving. Oh, I'm thriving. You're not thriving. You're like a chipmunk. <laughs> you got to get food and you got to eat the food and you got to have sex and procreate. That's what humans are still doing. And our yeah. art is amazing. And our, like all of the cultural stuff we have, but if we don't have the base layer taken care of, we're dead. And like, yeah. and, and all of this beautiful stuff that we make, the Disney World and, this, and the yeah. Super Bowl and the, right. and, the, and the Boston Symphony Orchestra and all that stuff is amazing. And I like that, that we've gotten so complex that we can have those. But I think, I have felt the same transcendence in my cells of my body from singing in circle around a campfire. Old, mm. ancient, ancient words coming through us in the oldest way of communing with not only ourselves, but with each other and with nature. Same thrill as when my team wins the Super Bowl. Same thrill as when yeah. I'm on the tea- teacup ride at Disneyland. Like mm. We can meet our needs simply and change the world. Yeah. It's, I will, oh man, wow. What a vision. What a, what, ah, man, the, like my heart chakra just exploded. But the, uh, the, I mean, the, what is sports is, is porn for the, the like actual sex of experiencing that kind of communion that we were, it, you know, the hundreds of thousands of years we, we, entertained and enjoyed. And I want to, I, I really wanted to uh, get around to this question of 
community in intentional ways. The I, I guess the word is intentional community. Sure. Um, this I think the episode that comes out right before this is going to be a couple of friends of mine who are um, trying to start one from scratch. It's it's something that uh, that they are. Uh, working on as a result of like meeting a bunch of people through a different podcast community and they've all like figured out that they vibe together and that they have a similar (laughs) life philosophy and that they have a similar attitude toward work on yourself and and you know a similar belief about like cosmology of aliens and things you know fun stuff like that cool um but uh (laughs) i think that's really great but i wonder if there's like i don't know maybe a more practical and materialist um, uh, although obviously there's limitations to that, but like what, what exactly does it take? You've mentioned nonviolent communication, but uh, in order to bootstrap one of these kinds of projects, like what is, what is the process? How do you, how do you make yourself ready and how do you, you know, is that too big a question? No, no. Thanks for asking. I have systematized that because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm because I'm crazy. Because because um, you know I struggle with being dominated by the mind, and and all of my mentors at some point are like, "Thank you, Travis, for your diatribe. What are you going to do about it?" Mm. No, and and. As somebody who wrote his undergrad capstone thesis on greening the suburbs, I've been thinking about this for a while, you know? And from the design standpoint, it's like, you got to go and fix it and fix the problem with public transportation or fix the problem with this. And and that's why communities are so revolutionary to me because you don't fix anything in the physical world. So I'm going to answer your question the same way that I would answer the question, how do you take an average American, North American street, a street, not even a whole block, just a street, and turn that into a village? That's that's my vision, is every street in North America, I mean, in the world, but but in North America becomes a village. In the first, I'm step. so I'm so glad you're framing it that way. Just to just to jump in real quick because yeah, of part of my part of my maybe despair is that I need the world to implode in order to find myself in like a real eco village. You know, right? Like it, right. it almost feels like unless the entire economy collapses and civilization is kaput, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like in the sort of paradise built in hell with uh you know the the small group of like semi rural you know like taking care of each other you right. know like real living humans so yes and that's please, a tall I, order that's a tall order to have the yes. the world <laughs> implode and to somehow find enough land that you can afford to do this with people it doesn't like yeah. like i've done that i haven't built those communities but i've lived in them and i said this is great. This isn't going to fix anything. <laughs> not, mm. not that it's not, and, and it's, it's not supposed good. to. It's not supposed yeah. to. It's supposed to meet the needs of the people that are there. And so I love mm. that about eco-villages because like who, who that's been a traveler, that's been a nomad, doesn't want to break from the home mm. drum of everyday life and traffic and nine to five. Like those people wind up working really hard at eco-villages because guess what? It's not that much cheaper 
living out in the woods than it is yeah. living, right? You have to buy land. There's a, there's a lot of overhead cost to managing your yeah. life out there. And it's, and most people burn out from that. And so, so I'm glad, I'm glad you're stoked about my question. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's realistic for us to a think that corporates, governments, or our habits are going to change really quickly by any measure of policy. I just, yeah. I don't, with the corruption in politics, I yeah. don't see that happening quickly. I see it happening, right? We got lead out of gasoline and stopped poisoning right. the oceans. We're, we're, we're managing carbon, you know, carbon greenhouse gas emissions now. Like mm-hmm. we, we make big changes. We haven't touched behavior. We haven't touched no. behavior at all, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm sitting over here feeling like Cassandra, like the sky mm. is falling, you know? Um, yep. and, and we're not asking this question. So meditate. Mm. Okay. Coordinate. Co-create. Those are the three steps, okay? Mm. And, and my framework is called the three C's. Those are the three mm-hmm. actions. The three C's are consciousness, expanding our consciousness, which is incredibly simple to do. Although the way that I teach it in my course, the course, by the way, for anybody who's interested, is called Empowering Revolutionary Leaders, how to how to meet our needs simply and change the world. And if you Mm. go to www.travisredtail.com backslash leadership, you'll find it. You can sign up for the next round that we're doing. It's five weeks, two hours a week. People walk out fresh. They 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 think that they not only think they know that they have some power to make big change through their simple everyday actions. That's what I care about. And, it, mm. and, it, and it's not just you, right? Because you actually yeah. have to be prepared to do something on your block and on your street. So expanding our consciousness to see not only that we are no separate from nature, but we are no separate from each other, and that the small I is not the large I. And mm. I, don't, I don't work with the mind. I work with the body. So in our mm. course, we meditate a lot and we ask, we, we get really quiet. And we ask our bodies, what do you think? And we let answers arise from the gut. We don't, we don't use our heads at all except to receive the information. And then all mm. of the practices that we do are embodiment practices. So we learn, we learn to meditate. And then the first, if we don't call it homework, we call it home play. The first mm. home play, which I encourage anybody listening to this, anybody, yeah. I encourage you to do this. Eat a slow meal. Set a timer for 30 minutes. And every time, and, and don't and isolate yourself, completely isolate yourself in a beautiful place. If somebody approaches you and you're out in public and lunch break, say, I'm sorry, I'm doing an experiment right now. I'm trying mm. to eat alone and not talk. Every bite you take, you put it in your mouth and you put the fork down immediately. And you mm. close your eyes and you chew the whole bite. And I'm going to ask you, Jeff, when was the last time that you ate a slow meal? I'm I'm uh, without a podcast playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, or? without anything playing. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, I might I might have at some point when I was first being introduced to meditation, but I don't think that I've ever gone like a full thirty minutes. Like yeah. there's there's that classic exercise of like. Uh, you know, they put a raisin in your hand and you look at all the wonderful wrinkles on the raisin and then put it in your mouth and experience that whole thing. And that process probably, I don't know, it could take like 10 minutes or so on on one raisin. Sure. But 
the idea of it reminds me of there's that great story about uh the buddhist monk who is invited to the palace and the you know the do you know this one the, no no tell me the, so the the king has like invited a bunch of philosophers and a buddhist monk and he's serving this fish uh that's like it's the you know the king is like it's the most wonderful expensive fish and i'm treating you all yeah it, yeah and uh and the philosophers are each finding like a a reason that it's like wow it's you know it's got just the right texture and it's so moist and whatever and then the buddhist monk who like spends all of his time totally present uh takes a bite of the fish and is like it's tilapia like what's the <laughs> you know what's, what's the big deal you know because he's not he's not in his head he's experiencing yeah. the the actual uh the actual things that are in front of him and yeah. and that's the slow meal that's like, the slow meal he was eating the slow meal and everybody else was worried about what the king would think <laughs> yeah right I mean, and, I wanna... and the the priming of someone telling you that something is valuable makes you enjoy it more. Sure. So, like the the experience that all of those people like they were having their first slow meal just because the king made that meal important, and so they were they were. I guess this is like one of the messages of the story. Maybe I'm hammering it a little bit too hard, but it's like they they were actually having a better experience of the food. Uh, they just like, that's, that's an experience available to you all the time, you know? Sure. It, right. Yeah. And why, and why branding is so important for people sometimes, you know, there's an identity connection with branding and, and yeah, to enhance the experience of something I think is, is, is really valuable and, and, mm. and marketers hijack that yeah. ability all the time for us, you know? And I, I want to, I want to double click on the slow meal for a second because yeah. I have a firm belief that monotasking is a spiritual act and mm. I try to n never text and drive. If I do listen to music, I take a lot of time, not a lot of time. I take time before I put the car into drive to set it so that I can be completely present when I'm doing dishes. I'm, I'm like never listening to anything unless it's very moody atmospheric music while I'm doing something else. Mm primarily because i don't think the brain likes multitasking at all yeah like okay so nodes in the net is playing in the background and i'm trying to write an email who thought that was a good idea that's a terrible idea to be doing like a biomechanical function taking a crap and reading a book terrible idea the last thing mm. that your body wants to do when it sits down is to have your mind pull energy away from your lower intestinal system. Your intestinal tract has like 100 million neurons in it. And if you have 100% of battery capable of running this body, and you take 50% of it and look at a Gary Larson Farside comic strip, <laughs> and the other 50 is working on your colon, I want 100% working on my colon when I take a poop, you know? And, the, and, and, and for, for those who struggle, who really struggle with... Um, all of these words that we use for just living in a chaotic world, brain fog, if you feel anxious mm. a lot, you're doing it to yourself in many ways. Monotasking, Often, yeah. monotasking is, a, is a beautiful way and it's not a chastising, like, like we're not whipping ourselves with monotasking and saying, oh, I'm yeah. doing it bad because I'm not monotasking. But it's like, how, how much pleasure can I get out of washing this dish? Like, yeah. 
I have to do dishes for the rest of my life. Can I, can I take pleasure in it? You know? And, and I, I just, and I feel like the first part of our course doesn't quite go into that. It goes into the hedonic treadmill, why we go in through cycles of desire, um, acquire, and then redesire. Uh, yeah, defining what the fear of death does in terms of creating scarcity in all of our systems, our housing systems, our economic systems, our social systems. And we, we use those concepts, but we only bake it in through mindfulness meditation. It's the only embodiment way that you can start to see the truth that all that marketing crap is not your identity. That, th- yeah. that Travis talking to Jeff is not our identity. We are one and like, go take a walk in the woods and eat a slow meal. So, th- so that's yeah. like step one is just oh, like slowing down mm. in a crazy world that says we should be multitasking and consuming. Like that sucks for the body. You know what we used to do to get food? We used to walk in the woods three hours a day. And the San mm. people, the Kalahari Bush people, the San people have been in continuous occupation of the region from Botswana down to northern South Africa for 40,000 years. They work three hours a day. And their version of work is a walk in the park, literally. Yeah. 20 to 40% of their calories come from the hunt, from meat, but the rest of them are forage. And guess how many quarts of... Um, of tubers that they store at a time and has, have ever stored at a time through 40,000 years living, living just in nature. Mm. Just guess I, how, how many times they've ever stored food. I, well, I, <laughs> the, the structure of the question <laughs> leads <laughs> me to guess that uh, probably not a lot. There is it, it. Are these the people that I stored in my brother's belly? Is it, is that the, Am I thinking of I the right know. tribe? Maybe the, that's different people. The, the, the movie that I know them from is The Great Dance. Um, mm. They don't store food. That's crazy. In 40,000 years, people that only live off the land, they've never stored food. They've never yeah. accumulated a thing in their lives. And all, look at me. Look at all these paint cans behind me. And I got so much crap yeah. in my life. And, and, yeah. and it's like, and it's like we are constantly accumulating stuff. And so the first, the first meditate is to expand our consciousness just beyond like the, the stuff that we have. The second part is, is, um, is, so there's consciousness, there's collectivism. Collectivism is basically relearning how to communicate to each other. So Jeff, tell me about something bad that happened to you this week. Tell me how it made you feel. Something bad that happened to me this week. Hmm. I had some poo problems mm-hmm. uh, recently. I yeah. I had I had uh, like I I had girl dinner. Have you ever heard of girl dinner? Uh uh-uh. It's, it's uh, girl dinner. It's this. Uh, that's like the trendy name for it. But what it really is is just like a collection of snacks that you call dinner. So I had like. I had uh, like spinach dip and pizza bagels and <laughs> and like fish sticks just yeah. all on a plate and that was my dinner and so like the next day I was I was feeling it you know I was yeah. I was having uh, indigestion in mm-hmm. uh, ways that are probably unpleasant to hear about in a podcast yeah it was sure. bad okay um, yeah 
Does that does that count? Well, <laughs> constipation. I'm, I'm I'm hearing that you felt you probably felt discomfort and you felt um, upset and mm. I'm hearing discomfort and upset because your need for regularity, your need for consistency wasn't being met. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> mm. yeah. Are there other feelings? Like, was I getting the feelings and the needs right there? Yeah, pain, discomfort. Pain, yeah. Okay, you were feeling pain. Yeah. What, what was your... Yeah. What need, I guess your, one of your needs was comfort. You needed comfort, you know, a level right. of comfort, and you weren't having it. What, what were your other needs that were not being met? It would, you know, like, I, I think... What's the need? So I'm so bad at this. I've read nonviolent communication like three times. But when it comes to the needs inventory, it's almost impossible for me to like remember, you know, like what what is a human need? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it should be really simple, right? But like, I don't know, the need to not be sitting on the toilet, but that doesn't sound super. You know, we like need for freedom. That's freedom. Yeah. You want okay. freedom. You want, I want freedom from the toilet, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> free me. And yeah, you were having a lot of needs that were not being met. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, how does it feel to, to have somebody spend 60 seconds ask you about this experience of yours and really try to I, understand you? You know, if you if you combined conversations like this with a day job of walking in the woods picking berries, uh, <laughs> sign me up. I, I don't think I don't think I would need a therapist anymore. I no, think I'd you be wouldn't. Set. <laughs> so so yeah, that's NVC. It's like I see I see. I'm trying to help you name your feelings if you can, mm. and help you name your needs, and then try to get your needs met. You know. And then we make a request at the end of that. So that's the offner, the, um, the observation, feeling, need request. I'm observing mm. that you, you had this experience. Um, were you feeling this because of your needs? And the request is like, Jeff, can I come by and give you a tummy rub later? Or, or <laughs> would, you, would you tell me more? You know, I asked you, am I getting that right? Right. That's the request. Yeah. Right. And, right. and so when it's like Susie comes home, you know, and Tommy's livid about the dishes not being done. It's like, we've been roommates for six months and I told you that I never like dishes. Da, 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 da. Susie yeah. has a choice. Susie can go into his negative energy and this gets back to the guy who cuts us off and we're supposed to be angry or not, right? With NVC, yeah. it kind of doesn't matter what you're feeling and experiencing as much. Is that what do you want to give into this relationship? Because Susie when Tommy says, you don't know the dishes and I'm, a, I'm the only adult in this house, Susie can mm. say, Tommy, I hear you're feeling really angry right now. And right. Tommy's going to be like, yeah, that's why I'm yelling at you. You know, it's like, because you, <laughs> you need for cleanliness and order isn't being met. He goes, yes, that's exactly right. You know, and then Susie's got to yeah. figure out what she wants to do with that. But if Tommy, this happens every time I teach. Every time I teach nonviolent communication, somebody takes an experience of their life where they've had a real conflict and we play it out again and that trauma unwinds in their body. They get chills, mm. they cry. It's like I'm getting goosebumps right now because the, the, the 
teachable somatic experience, although it's through the mind, the mind is architecting a different experience. The body's response is, holy shit, it's safe to have conflict. Mm. Nobody feels that way. Yeah. Nobody's ever felt that way because our no. language is inherently um, bastardizing. We use mm. words like, oh, I felt, I felt so betrayed. Betrayed is not a feeling. Yeah, Betrayed right. is, a, is, a, is, a, is a masquerading word. We use mostly masquerading words to express ourselves yep. and our feelings to judge somebody else's actions. So betrayed, I felt dominated by him. I felt this, I felt that. It's like, yeah. you probably felt hurt. You probably felt, um, uh, felt dismayed. Dismayed. Dismissed. I felt dismayed. Well, dismissed is, is a masquerading word because it blames the other person oh, yeah, as that's dismissing right, that's right, that's me. Right. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard to re-architect the it English is. language so that we can have conflict peacefully. And so that's what I teach. I teach I teach this kind of spider web of undoing and people's home play after that is like go and use that. Go and mirror somebody, or if you do have a conflict, try to try to just use the OFNR, the the observation needs, observations, feeling, needs, request format. And it's been transformative, transformative for my life in all of my relations, in all the spaces. Help me hold me well in all my <laughs> relations, in all the spaces. Help mm. me hold you well. Supremacy has me keep harming my people and myself. But each act of care and dignity is just how I will rebel. It's just how. I will rebel. It's a song. It's a song by Shireen Armini. She is an amazing circle song leader. And when she sang that song at Love Songs, a four-day song gathering this this fall, I I had an activist wake up in me. You know, it's wow. like I like my love is an act of rebellion. You know, my not I can be angry, but I don't want to share that poison. I want to share love. You know, I want to feel the anger, yeah. but I want to share love. So we teach mm. that. So it's consciousness is the first thing, getting into the body, becoming a self-observer, a consistent self-observer. So when you see that, you know, the root of one of your maladies is the, is the um, multitasking, you can just cut it off and be a smarter person and nicer person for yourself. And then, then we have collectivism, which is relearning collaboration. And then we have circularity. And everybody talks about sustainability and creating circular systems and circular waste and recyclable yeah. packaging and like let's you know let's do all this stuff and it's like if we don't know how to share, then we're That's never going to do that. We're never going to be able to share a car. We're never going to be able to to share songs with each other in in because we're just so we're walking around with so much fear and insecurity about conflict that we mm -hmm. don't even take the first step. Like the monetary system, yeah, is beautiful. But the way that it is, is in place of sharing. No question mm. in my mind. Yeah. That's a, that is such a wonderful point. So we've, we've been going about an hour. Do you have a, just a few, a few more minutes? I got plenty of time. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm like totally hijacking this. You asked me how to save the world. And I'm like, I know. I know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hijacking. That's, that's what you're here for. Not just here in this podcast, but here on this planet, I think. I think so, uh, let's, 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 you know, learn from it. Let's figure out how to save the world. Um, I want to hear, I want to hear two things, okay. uh, at least, <laughs> uh, number one, uh, how do I bring this? So the vision, 
that I'm really captured by. I'm sitting like with a window to my left and I can see my suburban street through it and anonymous people walking by and cars that are driving too fast and and (laughs) things like that, you know? Um, So I, it's very real to me. It's very present to me that like the street is right here. Right. And I want it. I want, I've, done my best. They, they say the anarchist uh, first step is to get to know your neighbors, to know your neighbors' names. Right. Um, so I am, uh, I've, I've done my best to do that, but it's like, there's a lot of resistance and the, the vision of having our whole street be a community that <laughs> I guess upholds or embodies those values that you just described is beautiful to me. And I guess maybe I'm asking you to give up the secret sauce a little bit. Um, but, <laughs> but I, at some point I'm going to have to take this class for certain. Uh, You're going to have course. to take the class. No, I want to, I want to, I'm giving it all away, right? I'm giving the class in the gift. So anybody who signs up can contribute whatever they want to, because this is not mine, right? I'm channeling this and I just, I just, I just want it. I just want the future to look good. I want to feel good about yeah. having kids one day, you know? And um, mm. the secret sauce is belonging. And it's a really big word. And it's a thing that we find in the form of our soccer teams and our, our sports teams that we watch, but also the sports teams that we take part in PTA meetings, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, bands, uh, Comic-Con, you know, like all these yeah. insanely specific subcultures have come in to create long, uh, belonging in belonging. the, vo- in the void of the village. When we, mm. when we detribed and we de-villaged and we stopped depending on each other for just normal shit, like food and water, we used to d- depend yeah. on each other for that. Then, then we didn't know if we belonged or not. So all of our hobbies and interests have, have, have filled that void. Great. I don't, I'm not even advocating for getting rid of those. I think those are cool. Um, You, as a revolutionary, as a revolutionary of what I'm calling this idea is called the circle party. It's going to usurp all politics. It's going to recreate civics in America, okay? You're an emissary of belonging. So you're a, rev- mm. you're, you're a circle catalyst. You're a catalyst to take your street, which is linear, and turn it into a circle. And... Mm. And you have to find something that's sustainable for you, which is in your pleasure. Many of us, I can tell you know how to get into your pleasure, but many of us are such good boys and good girls and looking for mommy and daddy's approval that we've chosen careers Mm. and like lots of things in our lives that are just not pleasure driven. There should. But if you can find your yes and your yes, what? so Jeff, what is a yes that happens in person with people that doesn't require a car for you to drive to that you could do with basically the things that you have in your house and you could host other people in a pleasureful experience that would, that, yeah. And just a pleasureful experience. It's not too esoteric. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think just like having people over for conversation. It, okay. It, I mean, like totally empty hand method. Uh, yeah. That's, that's one of the ways that I really uh, vibe with people that I, I, I feel, you know, I mean, the, the, having a conversation about your needs. When's the last time anyone's done that? Done but that? even beyond that, just um, you know, like I I 
picture it as you were saying that it just kind of like bubbled into my head, like the neighbors that I've talked to all these times, uh, just like standing around with beverages in hand, you know, and and chewing it up. Okay. So one element is that it's got to be sustainable for you. So your sustainable tactic is that you love conversation. A la, you know, it's in the net podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and my, mine too, if, if everybody likes my voice and likes these concepts, you can go check out the sacred everything podcast, the mm-hmm. sacred everything. And I'm starting that back up. Um, so one element of belonging is that people have contributed something and that they're necessary. Because if you just say, Hey, I'm having a salon, right? I love the idea of a salon. It's a conversation oh, yeah. party. You know, salon? I've I've heard of it, but it it feels uh, almost out of reach for some reason. So so it's like I want to talk about the changing of the seasons this week, and so you give it a little bit of a theme, but it's just an excuse yeah. for people to kind of think about it throughout the week. Something something that's topical is probably not charged. Be good if it wasn't charged. Yeah, and right and. And you say, I want, I, I really want you to come. They say, what night? You're like, well, it's Thursday at seven. How long? Two hours. But, you know, you can come a little early and stay a little late. It's, it, just come on your own time. Okay, great. Um, maybe I'll see you there. No, no, no. Actually, um, we need snacks. Do you, is there anything oh. that you bake? Or is there anything, any, any, mm. bring some pretzels? Actually, my friend makes amazing dip. If you brought pretzels, that would be perfect. <laughs> and it, and it's like the, it's like the sweetest form of manipulation is to in- yeah. include people in the development of, of a thing. Because not only does belonging result from a transcendental experience, right? Which is people talk, people just talking and feeling the unity together as a transcendental experience, but they have to have a role. And they have to be necessary to the co-creation of the event. And when they walk by your house, they're not going to remember it if they, they didn't come. But they will remember it and they'll say, oh, that's right, the salon. Should we do another salon again? So that, this is, that's the punchline. That's the abbreviated version. Yeah. Like in the, in the last part of the course, we work in groups to workshop that over the course of like two hours. So people have a real dedicated plan of, plan of approach. Oh, that's wonderful. I love yeah. it. I, that's, that's a, uh, uh, give me, give me just one second. I'll be right back. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I was just, I was caught up in the thought, uh, right before I had to step away of, uh, the idea of like workshopping a plan to get your, like your, your neighbors into one space even right like that alone is got to be worth the price of admission i can't tell you how many times i've been on the team human discord or the um you know like any any of the places that i have found sort of the like perverted belonging that exists because we don't have the real belonging place and, and tribe the i mean I don't want to diminish in any way the connections that I make online. Like those are, those are real and valuable to me and they've helped me make my way through the last three years in particular. But, um, you know, I have had so many conversations in those spaces that were focused around like, how can I bring this energy of like connection that I'm experiencing with you all to, uh, the, the people in my real life. And <laughs> we've talked about like, you know, Oh, have a block party or, you know, whatever, whatever. But like, it's just 
coming up, spending two hours to come up with a concrete plan with someone as like dynamic and engaging and eloquent, you know, as you, <laughs> I think would just be so valuable. And I really, I really am, uh, I really am thinking I'm, I'm gonna take advantage of this. Host a salon. Of this course, I we we drew the sun. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just said host a salon. You don't even have to take the course. Just host a salon. No, you should take the just course. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just host a salon too. I know. Yeah. Uh, so check this out. I think this is a, like a wonderful conclusion as well. I think the tarot has really caught the vibe. Uh, we've got the sun for our final card. Like, wow. how has the energy uh, transmuted over the course of the conversation? That sun that was in the background that was like that had the fool's back yeah. is now like center stage, uh, just e- emitting like a brilliant rays. And it's you've got uh, in the foreground, well, in the midground, there's a row of sunflowers, and then in the foreground, there's a naked child waving fabric around. And like riding a, a white horse and, and the kid is it's it's a it's a card about like kind of celebrating your inner child, uh, mm. like play, um, energy, you know, and it's it's like a it's a big card for uh, like that summer vibe of like, get out and do stuff and and right. and yeah, but so. I don't know. Does that does that bring up any closing thoughts for you? I, I feel like it's right on the money again. I mean, the fool and then the sun, right? What a yeah. What a what a treat. Um, it's interesting. There's four sunflowers and there's six um, flowers on on the kid's crown. Mm. And and I love divinity and odd numbers, but the evenness of that the evenness mm. the balance you know we're talking about trying to restore balance in a crazy world right now it looks like the sun actually has even number of rays around around it too the sun is stern as well right like the child mm. is in play but the sun just like the nataraja the dancing shiva has this like poker face on like yeah it is a I, bit of a poker face yeah like i get I get the big picture, you know, the big picture is that let's use play to, to ascend, to transcend, right? Let's use play mm. to transcend all of this noise and be able to revel in, in the reality of our lives, which only a hundred years ago, we knew 80% of the people that made our stuff, mm. you know, we knew 80% of the people in our lives in person only a hundred years ago. Like it's not been a long time. And for me, yeah. that sun is important. Like, this is serious business. Like changing the world is a business of love, but it's like we all feel it. Climate anxiety, 68% yeah. of North Americans are racked with climate anxiety because they know it's yeah. serious business. And so I love that about the card, that it has both elements, the doer and the, and the, 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 the North Star, and then it, that it has the playful child because the playful child is the one that's got to act it out. So Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that is the that is the vibe. <laughs> I love pleasure. it. If you follow, I think if you follow your pleasure to create belonging in your neighborhood, all none of the systems that yes. serve us and the systems that don't serve us anymore, they will go away on their own. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's I. I'm with you. I don't think it's recycling. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> 
it's getting to know people. I, you know, it, it it feels like maybe there might be some resistance that some people encounter when they hear like we're going to solve the climate crisis with like salons at Jeff's house. But I I think that uh, I think that every action that you take that in some way heals yourself or heals the world or heal, heals. Well, let's let's bring it back to your your three C's: is consciousness, collectivism. Um, say it again: collectivism or community. You can say consciousness, community, and circularity. Yeah, it's it, anything that heals that, like that nature, that mind, or that relationship with others. I think, like that's that's got to be the path forward. And thank you for for spreading this wisdom and providing this framework, which I think I am gonna. Uh, be thinking about a lot. Great. And I want to, I want to put in a really important caveat. I've spent my entire career in policy and developing, you know, clean oh, yeah. energy projects and all that stuff. I, I just think it's going to take a couple generations before we start to want to meet our needs simply before we know that, before we adapt to that. And so, um, I'm I'm one of those like guys who's using technology and policy also every day to try to make the changes that are necessary at this point. And so I'm I'm a both and guy. And I yeah. just I just I really hope that folks don't stop recycling because of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should totally right, right, recycle. Right, right. Even if yes. they, even if they burn it, which is what's happening with a lot of recycling these days. It's really important to continue to have faith in the systems for, for mm. what we have now. Yeah, it's important yeah. to continue to do what we can. Yeah, thank you, thank yeah. thank you for both and of the of the paths <laughs> that, that you are that you are helping heal the planet with. And thanks Travis, for this opportunity. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, th- thank you for the work that you do and having beautiful conversations in the mystery oh. in your pleasure. Like you give yeah. people, you give people permission to just wonder. And and it, that's been missing from my life for so long. So I just want to thank you for helping oh. me have permission to wonder. Thank you. That's <laughs> w- wonderful. Let's end on a compliment to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you, uh, you've you've sort of sprinkled them throughout, but do you want to uh, wrap up with your places people can find you? Yeah, you can go to travisredtail.com backslash leadership. If you want to check out the um, the Empowering Revolutionary Leaders course and sign up for the waitlist, you can go to thesacredeverything.com and find the podcast. That podcast is everywhere podcasts are listed. And um, you can find some of my singer-songwriter stuff on SoundCloud at Travis Redtail and my Instagram is Travis, Travis.redtail. Awesome. Travis, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah, you too, And stick around for just one second after I press this button.